This week we run, jump and slide for our lives as we play PlayStation's parkour platformer, Mirror's Edge. Hello and welcome to PlayStation Rumble. My name is Jamie and I'm joined as always by Tony. Yep. And Joshua. That's me. Housekeeping, if you want to skip straight to discussion this week on Mirror's Edge, uh, that will be in the show notes. Our next episode is going to be Siphon Filter 2. Uh, weird to start on the sequel, but there you go. Um, it's funny because Jamie didn't want to play the first one. <laughs> I didn't want to play either of them, so here we go. <laughs> we really uh, look forward to that episode, listeners. Well, you don't have a choice, Joshua. If you the, next, the next episode will be very controversial. Tune in. But before we get into all of that goodness, we're going to talk about what we have been playing. And I have been playing a game that I think maybe some people would have been playing also because it was uh, April's PlayStation Plus game, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. Uh, Rehydrated. It's the remake, Jamie. Rehydrated. Right. That is a title, isn't it? <laughs> you cannot disrespect SpongeBob on this podcast. <laughs> I will leave. Jamie, you're not going to mention how you're the fool who bought it. And then like a week later, it was one of the free games. Yeah, I bought that shit in pour, March. Pour one out for Jamie. He, he, for all of you enjoying Spongebob out there, thank Jamie. He did it for <laughs> he, he, he did it for you guys. I really, I really boosted the decision. I got it as a present for my birthday in March, um, re- requested, and then was overjoyed to find out that it came out in April. But because I'm a, you know, a fool for physical media, I don't particularly mind. Now you don't have to put the disc in. Um, I still put the disc in. Are you crazy? <laughs> no, I have to put the disc in. Uh, I cannot download the copy. Can't do it. I mean, I've I've got Spotify, but I still play, you know, my vinyls. Joshua, I think you've played this. Am I right? I the year it came out, I think it was twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Okay, so um, that was actually. A birthday present for my wife that year. So, got hey. it the year it came out. Um, I beat it in like three days. It was it was awesome. I'm a huge SpongeBob fan, so that game was practically <laughs> made for me. I can't believe both our partners bought a SpongeBob and we're still uh, not single. Well, SpongeBob <laughs> SpongeBob was a requirement. You know, you either respect it and we get married, or Sorry, we just go our separate ways. <laughs> At this point, I think uh, SpongeBob has reached like that Simpson status where like at one point everyone's watched it and it has just like the golden era and everything. So I never don't laugh at it. It's just it's just a fact of life. It feels like people like it for the same reason they like cult things because it's a little bit better written than it has to be. There's kind of a bit of an inside joke on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also just has like mass popular uh, praise. Um People did not like this remake when it came out. I think the original game came out like what the early noughties. It has that mm-hmm. uh, probably like I would say probably like oh three or four. I'd imagine. I think it was a three. It absolutely drips in uh, sort of a TV IP uh, coming to a video game, um, and also just like three D platformers of the time. The reviews, the negative reviews for the remake are totally off the bar, by the way. I'm just going to come out and say it. I remember those reviews, and they were bad. Well, I mean, so this game was, like, a little better than most SpongeBob games, but then it sort of came and went, like, every other sort of early noughties platformer. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the speedrun community were just, like, hype on this game and kind of kept the cult status of it alive. And that was, like, a large part of the reason that uh, it sort of ended up getting remade. And I think a lot of people kind of... uh, don't like the that it's it's quite vibrant it looks like the newer spongebob uh cartoons rather than the older ones the the original is really it's quite dark in comparison it's quite mm-hmm. not dingy but it's just not as like looking at this game um, like my eyes felt like they were like full up of sugar um it's like a complete like candy assault but i, I kind of liked it yeah i'm with you there jamie great game and they just they just don't make them like that anymore they really don't is cool spongebob spongebob <laughs> out of 10 if you guys didn't know they are thq uh greenlit a sequel to rehydrated in the form of spongebob squarepants the cosmic shake which is a completely new spongebob game made by the team that did rehydrated just say what? Well, when's that coming out um it they don't have a date yet 
That is news to me. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I played this game back to front and it is just fun. So, I mean, I think if you're listening to this podcast and you don't own Plus, I don't really know what you're doing, but download it. It's not It's not uh, one of the games anymore. I was like... It's not. But if it's sitting dormant in your library, don't let it. Um, Tony, what have you been up to? I became Elden, um, Elden Lord of, uh, like a week or two back. I uh, posted it on Twitter and then... I also became the ghost of, of Tushima because I leaked that the other day. Busy week. Yeah. How'd you feel? Uh, Tushima is probably like one of my favorite games of the, of the, of the generation, probably. I just need to go back and uh, do the DLC. I was going to platinum in it, but uh, no thanks. I saw, I read uh, the requirements and it's, it's too convoluted for my, for my blood, so. Don't worry, I'm sure Joshua already has the platinum for that for the uh, team. Uh, there's actually a funny story behind the platinum. It goes to Tsushima <laughs> for me. I bet there is. So I do So I do have it, but I actually just got it. So I first played the game last year. Yeah, like late last year. And I played it with the intention that I was going to go for the platinum. Because, mm, cool game, I'll just do it. Well, I get to the last trophy that I need, which is there are lighthouses in the game and you have to light them all. And uh, I liked the last one, and the trophy didn't pop for me. So I rebooted back into the last main quest, did that quest again, and I was like, maybe I just need to re-trigger it. No. So I tried all sorts of things to try and get that trophy to trigger, and it just would not do it. And I reached out to Sony to try and get it squared away. Like, can you just give me this trophy? It's bugging the crap out of me. They're like, no. Talk to Sucker Punch. <laughs> you talked to Sony. Yeah, and Sucker Punch was like, I don't even know who you are. So, <laughs> I had this game sitting for months on my PlayStation, and it was just 98% completion. And I was like, this is terrible. I, I hate this game now. I hate it. So, then they announced that they did their last patch fairly recently. So, I was like, you know what? Maybe they fixed the issue. I'm going to throw the disc back in, get back into it, see how it goes. And I threw the disc back in, got the lighthouse, got the trophy, and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I love this game now. So, I do have the Ghost of Tsushima Platinum. I think that's kind of what happens to me, because I was trying to do all my little things, and I swear to God, I did all the little side quests for, like, the, the towers and um, finding all, like, the, what's it, like, the health thing, the, the fox stones and everything. Or the fox stones. I had found out all those, and the things, like, find all the lighthouses, like, none of that popped up. I can't find any more on a map. There are quite a few, and there's a database in the game where you can see which ones, um, how many, how many you have. Oh, okay. I swear to God, I went to the entire map every over every location. And I think you can filter, you can filter the icons on your map so that it's easy to miss stuff. So if you filter some stuff out, then you can, then you can kind I mean, of. You're only seeing the the, re- the relevant things that you're looking for. I'll, go, I'll, I'll look at it again when I go play the DLC because I've been playing this game since like was it like November, Jamie? <laughs> Just on and off. Yes, yeah. Since nearly we started the podcast, yeah. Yeah, on and off ever since Black Friday. I've been playing on and off, and then I just I just went for it, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. The ending I got at least was perfect. Well, there is a right ending and a wrong ending, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I did uh, R two. I think it was the. I don't want. I don't want to spoil it for Jamie. No, don't. It's it's very much on that. I got the PS four in two thousand and nineteen backlog where I've got a lot of uh, AAA games to get to. Fair enough. Yeah, but you know it's good life. I think last year I played. Uh, the year before that, I played like Uncharted 4 and then GTA 5 for the first time. And you just don't get bangers back to back like that anymore. Um, Joshua, how's uh, the last two weeks graced you? Uh, pretty good. I've been sort of bouncing between three different games at the moment. I'm playing Dragon Quest Builders 2. I'm a I'm a Dragon Quest fan, and that's been sitting in my backlog oh, for a while. We've known you we've known you so long now, and that's never come. <laughs> <laughs> I know so long. So I uh, so I started playing that. And it's it's a pretty it's a pretty long sort of easygoing game, so I kind of come back to it as I feel like it. I've also I also started Returnal, which so far I really like it. It's awesome. Tony, get on it. And I cannot get past the first boss, <laughs> dude. I so I died one time before the first boss. I died one time, got to the first boss, and killed him. 
So on my second run, I beat the first boss. Yeah, but so, you uh, would. Joshua. <laughs> Joshua has been kicked from the chat. That's not an advert for the easiness of the game. Every fucking time. Every fucking time, this guy. I actually just, I actually, I actually just beat the second boss. The second boss killed me once, and then I went back and kicked him in the face. I've spent like probably eight hours playing that fucking first level, got to the boss, and I can get the boss like on the third health bar, more than halfway down, and then it just destroys me. So the other game I've been playing is uh, Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt. It's a free-to-play battle royale that oh, came yes. out that is came that, out this that's week. That's new, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, is it good? Uh, short answer, yes. I think it's pretty decent. Uh, it was something they showed off in States of Play before, and I always saw it and was like, well, that looks stupid. Nobody's Nobody in their right mind would pay for that. And then the game came out, and they're like, oh, by the way, it's free-to-play. I'm like, oh, well, well, don't mind if I do. And it's um, a battle royale, but you're in Prague, and you're a vampire. So, And it's class-based, um, your standard loot system with weapons that are green, blue, purple. If you've played any battle royale, you kind of know what you're getting into. But you do have different abilities, uh, depending on your class. There's singles mode, there's a trios mode. Um, they do use the adaptive triggers on the dual sense, and they use directional audio, so playing with headphones is definitely going to give you an advantage. Um, not a bad not a bad time. If you ever get a PS5, Jamie, you should definitely check it out. Okay. I'm just looking up at Dragon Quest Builders 2, and it looks like a mix between Minecraft and Stardew Valley. What's, what's going on with this game? Yeah, Dragon Quest Builders is an RPG mixed with sort of a, a a crafting game so it is like it is like minecraft but if minecraft had a story and progression okay which it has always been my barrier to minecraft like you can do everything yeah but there's no there's like because you can do everything no there's nothing to do <laughs> like why am i doing any of this do yeah. i have a goal do i have any of this stuff uh, but dragon quest builders too it definitely guides you along and um but it breaks up story beats with okay you go to this island you help all these people but then you can go back to your island and apply everything you learned into your home island and so you get a lot of you get that mix of freedom with the with the structured story so it really really appeals to me i played minecraft for the first time in 2021 last year wow that's when i first played minecraft i think there's definitely a generational gap between people who grew up with minecraft and uh old fuckers uh, sure. who didn't and i'm definitely in the latter half of that camp um but this looks good yeah um yeah uh is it just on switch it's on Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, PC. It's such a Switch game, though, isn't it? I'm actually, I'm actually playing it on PlayStation. I have the first one uh, I got a couple years ago. I kind of stopped playing it, but I liked it. I don't really like those crafting games, but it has enough charm. It has a Dragon Quest charm. I think before we move on to our final section, I found something that caught my eye that IGN reported on. Uh, which is that Solitaire.com have uh, produced a list of the five richest and five poorest video game characters um, of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird that Solitaire, which is a website where you can play Solitaire and I think other sort of uh, sort of car games, has decided to publish a list and then send it to uh, loads of press. But uh, I guess it works because I, Jim, were talking about it and now I'm talking about it. Um, but basically, I am... Going to pit you two once again against each other in a game of wits. So this is how we're going to play it. Um, I'm going to give one a list of the rich, one a list of the poor. I'm going to tell you who they are, and you've got to put them in order from uh, wealthiest to least wealthy. Okay. Okay, so who would like the rich? I'll do it. Okay, so Joshua, <laughs> for the five richest video game characters, I'm let not going to tell on, you that. Let me stretch. Yep, get ready. Yep, here we go. Crack the knuckles. Hopefully the mic picked that up. <laughs> Let's go. Add a sound effect. It's okay. I'm not going to tell you their jobs until... Uh, I'm not going to tell you the jobs until the end. So, five riches. Snake. Snake who? Uh, Solid snake. Solid snake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not the snake from the Nokia snake game. <laughs> that could be a few different things. Right, anyway, Solid continue. snake. Handsome Jack. I'll give you his full title there. Albert Wesker. Uh, from Resident Evil. I'm assuming yeah. you know who these people are. Yes. Yeah. Alex Mason, Call of Duty. 
And Max Payne, Max Payne. I'm going to say Handsome Jack is the richest. Okay, so we're going for Handsome Jack number one. So you've got Snake, Albert, Alex, and Max left. I'm going to say Wesker for four. Or Wesker for underneath Handsome Jack. And then... um, Who were the others? Then you've got uh, Solid Snake, Alex Mason, and Max Payne. Um... Solid Snake next. Solid Snake in the middle of wealth? Yes. And then Max Payne and Mason. Max Payne and five is Mason. How'd you feel about that? Uh, not good at all. Okay, you haven't I'm done... terrible at game shows. Yeah, well, you've started really well. Handsome Jack is the richest uh, video game character of all time, okay. apparently, says Solitaire.com. Let's, let's, let's go. As the CEO of Hyprium. Hyperium? Hyperium? Don't know, haven't played it. Um, And I said, as the CEO of this corporation, uh, that his estimated wealth, uh, his annual salary would be uh, 430,000 a year. I should have said that they've done this on salaries, basically. So you're not going to have, like, you know, Scrooge McDuck. Well, when you you first posed the, the prompt, I was like, okay, I'm going through the list of characters where money is a thing. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, Luigi, right? So <laughs> wait, wait, no, why Luigi? <laughs> well, have you ever played Luigi's Mansion? No. Okay. Is well, he picking up dollars. He literally picks up like dollars and money, and you end the game with like millions of dollars. Okay. Uh, but what about Wario? What I think Wario has. Dude, like... Wario sucks. Okay. What about what about that plain dick from The Sims? What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing around. Wario's cool. Um, Luigi and Luigi's Mansion Three. He's get you get like stacks of gold bars and cash, and you like anyway. So, okay. So first one right, one point to Joshua. The next two you've got mixed up. Very unfortunately, you've got Wesker at number two and Snake at number three. It was Snake at number two as a special what? force uh, forces soldier. He would uh, take an annual salary of one hundred forty thousand dollars a year, and uh, Albert Wesker as a virologist would take a one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars a year so unfortunate uh but not too bad i don't bad. agree with that one at all i think small no. snake it's nearly like this is an arbitrary list they've made to get publicity but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it just it just sounds like they made they picked random names because i would say wesker definitely would be number two yeah i mean just by the look of them um and unfortunately you've done the same thing with the fourth and the fifth position oh. so Alex Mason would be the uh, the fourth most richest person uh, as an intelligence analyst uh, for the government. You'd make one hundred and seven thousand pounds, and Max Payne as a New York detective would be the fifth richest video character of all time, apparently at ninety eight thousand. I mean, by the third one, he doesn't have. I don't think he has any money by the third one, third game, because he's kind of like he never looks like an underground. He's you know, I've seen his flat. It doesn't look that swanky. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, that's what I, I was like. Well, Max Payne, he's not, he's not sipping on gold water, if you know what I mean. He should be like on the poorest list, I think. <laughs> well, well, it's good you mentioned that, Tony, because we're, oh, we're going to do the poorest list now. I hope I know any of these characters. Uh, I'm surprised Laura Croft was on the first list because she's pretty rich. I, th- I think you might know some of these characters. Here's the top uh, five poorest video game characters of all time, in no particular order. Okay. Link. Link. But we'll talk about it. Salary. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Link is we'll, a salary we'll from get Hyrule. <laughs> Ryu from Street Fighter. Okay. Cloud Strife. Final Fantasy. Okay. Pac-Man from Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this list? What is this? And let me finish. Josh. Let me finish. Desmond Miles, Assassin's Creed. This is a stupid... He, Joshua got the easy one. This is a stupid... Those names again. Link, Cloud, Ryu, Desmond Mild, Pac-Man. Let's start with who you think is the poorest. Uh, going from story-based on the game, Cloud. I think Cloud would be the poorest. You think Cloud would be the poorest? I don't know. I'm think- Just think about their jobs. Think about what jobs they would have. None of them have jobs, though. I didn't, I didn't get that help. During my <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm really sorry to have missed that integral part. Okay, Cloud. I'll go from the bottom. Cloud, Link, Pac-Man, Ryu, Desmond. 
Yeah, I'm truly sorry, Joshua, that I didn't really explain the rules before we started this. Um, yeah, he's going based on salary. Like, what fucking salary does Pac-Man have? Well, let's discuss it. We're going to go from the poorest video game character of all time, which is Pac-Man, as a security guard would earn $20,000 a year. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> he's a security guard, guys. He has like a house and a family. He's not the poorest. Is there a car? There's maybe like a cartoon. Yeah, there was a cartoon. He had a yeah. family. He had a house. He must have paid for that house somehow. Inheritance, I guess. There's also Pac-Man 2, the adventure game. His his net worth would be way more than just his salary because he has a house, guys. But also, he'd be such a shit security guard. He's just always going off eating cookies, those things are, by the way. I, I must have missed the the Pac-Man Mall Cop video game. Yeah. <laughs> I must have missed that one. Well, if that pissed you off, wait for this. Number two, Link, as a knight, would earn $25,000 a year. Where, okay, are there actually are there actually employed knights right now? And are they getting paid? And if so, how much? Or are, we converting, are we converting this? Link doesn't have Link doesn't have a job. Link is just some kid that gets a sword. <laughs> are we are we taking medieval pay rates and adjusting for inflation? There's so many problems with this list. Link is a kid that's like, hey, here's a sword. You're going to adventure now. Like he's not even he doesn't have any money. Good news for you, T. You got that one right. One in the bank. You only need one more. Number three, you said Pac-Man. Unfortunately, it's not. It's Cloud, uh, which you put as number one. As a private uh, first-class soldier, it would be uh, $26,000, which doesn't seem a lot. Yeah. Where? Okay, where are they getting this information? He was like an experiment, first of all, so I doubt he got any money from the, the, these people. And at the, well, at the start of the game, he was also a mercenary, which cannot pay poorly. Just by virtue of the job. I thought this would be really light and fun at the beginning of the show, but I seem to have just angered everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, you've done the classic uh, Joshua move and you've mixed up four and five. So Desmond Miles, uh, as a bartender, uh, which he is a bartender, so at least that makes sense, uh, would be 28000 But isn't he getting paid in the game to like go on, to go on the machine? Ryu would be the fifth poorest uh as a martial arts instructor well guys i don't know about you but i've had enough of being upset about financial numbers so let's segue into this this episode's game which is about people upset about other people who make a lot of money and talk about financial numbers which is mirror's edge Mirror's Edge is an action platformer developed by DICE and published by EA. It came out on Xbox and PlayStation 3 in 2008 and PC in 2009. You control Faith, who is a rebellious runner in a, in a society full of big wigs and CEOs. Your goal is to transmit secret messages, and you do that in the coolest way possible by jumping across rooftops, sliding down zip lines, and falling off nearly impossible heights. So... Mirror's Edge, guys, um, this was a game that I had heard a lot about, or a lot of people talking about it, um, how fun it is, how good it looks. Uh, when talking about parkour, there were always two games that I heard in conversation. That was Assassin's Creed and Mirror's Edge. So um, I'd never played it. Um, the only exposure I had personally was... My my sister's boyfriend at the time, I hated his guts. And he was like, <laughs> you know, Mirror's Edge is awesome. And I was like, well, I hate you, so it probably sucks. And he bought a Mirror's Edge Catalyst when it came out, and that game sucked. And I made fun of him for it. So <laughs> um, He got the last laugh. I'm sorry, is he still your, your uh, sister's current boyfriend? Oh, good Lord, no. No. No, okay. Thankfully, no. <laughs> So that's lasted from cat from the first game to Catalyst. That no, was, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so it, he he was in the picture around the time Catalyst came out, and he, he came a, he came out of the woodworks for Catalyst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, I like Mirror's Edge, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, and I was like, Wow, that franchise is probably the worst thing ever created because you, sir, are the worst human being ever created. 
Um, <laughs> that's interesting. You do make those uh, connections, don't you? Yeah. So I uh, never played it. So, uh, but I obviously now I have played it. I was gracious enough. It, well, Sony was gracious enough to put it on PS Now, and I prayed to the Sony gods, and I was able to stream it onto my PlayStation Five. So played the whole played the whole way through the PS3 Mirror's Edge through PS Now. Quick side note: How I mean, as a streaming, I haven't streamed it on now for a very long time. It was rough. How was it? How is it now? Um, it wasn't bad. I didn't really. There were maybe a couple times where the image would hitch or it would get a little blurry, but um, for the most part, I didn't really have any misinputs because of the streaming. It was a pretty, it was a pretty solid experience. But I, I have a decent internet, and my PlayStation is hooked up via Ethernet. I'm not using it over Wi-Fi. Okay, both well for the uh, the new Plus service. I had a PS3, I think twice in its uh, generation, but only like for about a year at a time um, and not really diving into it. It was kind of the time where I wasn't gaming as much, but this game had come out when I did have a PS3 for the first time. And as you said, Joshua, I think the the marketing campaign for this game was very strong. And I think it's strong because it is so visually striking in a time where there are a lot of first person shooters and a lot of brown gray games about like war and guns and stuff like that this just stood out like a like candle in the night and so i did get it and i played through i think maybe two chapters with my friend and then fell off of it for whatever reason never came back to it which is why i picked it for this episode and i'm also playing it on the playstation 3 as god intended um but with a dual shock 4 so you know not as God intended. I sin. I sin for my uh, <laughs> for my hobbies. I remember when the demo came out. It was like a big deal, and uh, I played it. I borrowed it from my friend and uh, played for the PS3. And uh, <clears throat> for this, I played the PS3, and I played the PC version, which we'll get into because I have opinions. This game, like, really had a mixed reception, which is a clue for my. Uh, episodic guess the metacritic score i've got to say joshua tony's beating you here three nil yep so this is an important game for you don't mean to put any pressure um, on um just a side note you haven't looked at I it i think i know i think i know the metacritic so All right, we'll, we'll guess it and we'll see if you do know for sure but i think do you mean you've seen the metacritic score for this game <laughs> i think i've seen it what do you mean you think you've seen it <laughs> we'll see how i, go. I think I, I if i remember it correctly because i did look at because I was having problems and I was looking at reviews. Like the, I want to see the, the worst reviews, just see if I wasn't going crazy. And apparently I wasn't. So so Joshua, I'm going to give you the first guess. What do you believe the Metacritic score for this game is on the PS3? I'm going to say 76. 76. Tony, would you hazard a guess? Uh, if I am correct, 79. You bastard. <laughs> Damn it to hell, Tony. <laughs> 79, um, I don't know how much of the controversy of this will <laughs> make it. I mean, I didn't really, I thought it was either 79 or 89. I didn't really remember, but. I've got a few reviews here I would love to read for you. This one's quite poetic, uh, done by CyberSquid, uh, 2008, a user review. It gives it two out of 10. Oh, please. I love these. The most beautiful game I hate. I tried so hard to like it. I wanted to badly to like it. I think that's a typo. Fall and die. Try to find the exit while 10 cops shoot at you. Run and feel free and enjoy a few minutes. Then fall and die and retry. And fall and die and retry. And fall and die and retry. And give up. It goes back to GameStop. Two out of ten. Two out of ten. Mad cause bad. (laughs) Next review. Let's go. Um, I don't know. It doesn't. Is he just saying he's not very good at the game here? I don't he's, know what his well, um Well, the, the one thing I took away was um, fall, die, and try again. And he says that <laughs> a lot. So that tells me that he fell a lot. And if you're spending the whole game falling, my first inclination is that something about the mechanics didn't quite click for you. And if you if you have to force yourself to enjoy a game, just move on. On on play devil's advocate, I think especially with the console versions, from what I've seen a few and some more negative reviews I read, 
there were problems where you would jump and this girl would not grab in front of anything in front of her. It's happened to me. <laughs> where I was stuck in this area, I was, you know, going ahead of myself. I was stuck in this one area for like an hour because she would jump and she would not grab the pipes. Happened. Or she wouldn't want to run, run along the wall. She would just walk off the ledge. Yeah, there were, and we can get into this more in the gameplay section, but I did I did run into that and to play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, Tony. <laughs> I ran into that too, but still beat the game. <laughs> so did I. Still beat the game, and I didn't have that hard of a time. I have gameplay footage of me doing everything, and then she just I've jumped. Oh, please put that on Twitter. Please come into our Twitter account. That would be like I t- I wasn't joking when I said I probably have like an hour's worth of footage of me just stuck in this one area and falling sh- and dying and, and trying, trying again, <laughs> falling and dying and trying again, falling and dying and trying again because she would not grab the pipes or she wouldn't want to grab a ledge or she wouldn't want to jump or she wouldn't want to crawl run across the wall. But we can save that for later. That's the PS3 version. The PS the PC version I had less of a problem. I think in general, the reviews were really mixed, but the good reviews were citing it for just being like literally a different game to what, to what has been played before. It took the first person to like a completely different place. It, um, it was just like no other game that had come out before that time. And in 2008, 2009, that's not happening every day anymore. It's also like kind of what we talked about with Prince of Persia, that sort of really simple concept made into a whole game. Um, so people just absolutely like, I don't, I don't think it can be underestimated how impressed people were with the idea of what this game could be. And then all the negative reviews tended to be, this was an incredible premise. It did not deliver and it should have been better than what it was. This game came out in the late noughties, and I think two things sort of coincided that made this game possible, it seems. A, parkour just became like this massive popular culture uh, thing at the time. Do you remember when like all films and stuff like had parkour in it and there was like programs about parkour um, and you get people doing like crazy like walks between like uh, skyscraper buildings and stuff like that. So it was just like present in popular culture and at the same time dice uh were coming off of one battlefield so dice and uh the developer who known for the battlefield uh, series and they were coming off uh, a battlefield the majority of the company was owned by ea and they were about to be uh, fully taken over but they hadn't been yet and they had this sort of free little bit of time and enough of a buffer to basically take a chance on a project that's slightly more creative or you know it wouldn't be terrible if it failed um and this game was pitched so i mean there were also i mean the 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 development team did have a struggle because it was such a new concept they had to make sure that it works people weren't getting motion sick uh people could navigate this world and i mean just talking on the graphical thing there one of the things they had to do which by the way i did not realize until i looked this up so i do feel stupid is use a use a primary color scheme Everything in this whole world is white or it's one of the primary colours. It's red, yellow or blue, um, which works so effectively. Uh, they kept the HUD completely clean, which is something I really appreciate about this game. Oh, There's yeah. No HUD whatsoever. I mean, you don't really need a HUD, though. She doesn't have a health bar. Having the you know screen turn red or whatever it did made more sense. Let's talk about, I think, the most important thing in this game, which is the gameplay. Uh the parkour how how did you guys find parkour all right well before tony gives his hot take i thought it was great uh, it was amazing thought it was thought it was awesome it you you can really feel your character building momentum and just the rush of leaping across rooftops or vaulting over a fence or you know you vault and then you jump and then you run up a wall and jump off of it and grab onto something else there's a, there's really good flow there's really good momentum and the the levels are put together in such a way where you kind of make up your own path and it's it just it feels so great to play at almost all times when you're when you're when you're doing the parkour 
I was just having a blast with it. I literally, I so I completed this game I think a week or two ago, and I just went back to do some of the of the time trials uh, just before we recorded, just to give myself a little refresher. And I forgot how much I like missed playing in that. Like, I mean, the key word for it is flow, isn't it? This game has flow in droves. Flow that state that video gamers have, where like everything else melts away, and all that is important is what's happening on the stream. And it's like a, a stream of like continuous movement. Musicians get it, athletes get it. This game has it in like buckets. I think my criticism, one criticism, would be everything sits on the L one button. Every jump. Skid jumping or vaulting or running up the wall. Yeah, everything. The shoulder buttons relied on most of the main functions. It would be nice if you could have like also there's like reconfigure the controllers. You couldn't. There's only two options. There is two options. There is a left-handed mode, which is like mind-blowing because like left-handed people have been going since like the 80s going, I guess we just played this right-handed then. And then one game decides to go, here's left-handed mode. It's like, well, no one needs that because everyone's now a right-handed guy. As, 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 as a left-handed person, it makes, there have been maybe two games in my entire life where I'm like, you know what? This needs a left-handed mode. Mirror's Edge was not that. Can I ask what those games were? Um, one of them was... Kid Icarus Uprising on the 3DS. The control scheme for that was so um, obtuse. And by being left-handed, it was very difficult for me to get a handle on the control scheme. They have a left-handed mode, but it doesn't... It, it just doesn't translate well from one side to the other the way they have the... As a right-handed, as a right-handed person, I had the same exact problem. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, not just... It's not. It's got nothing to do with the left hand or right hand of that one. Sometimes games just suck. Um, I think probably. I mean, one of the criticisms of this game, which is slightly fair, is that it it could have been slightly more in depth, which is hard because it's the seed of an idea. I think if this had gone on to be a series, they probably would have expanded the parkouring essence, making it all quite simple. I mean, you, the the skill of it is finding the roots rather than kind of executing the moves. Um, and I did just feel like a god going through this game. So I don't know if making it more complex would have actually made it better, but that was one of the criticisms that it was maybe slightly shallow. Um, but amazingly realised, like actually makes you feel like you are there. So few times when I play a game in first person, do I actually feel like that person? And this this was it for me. I have a slightly opposing view. Um, I had the worst time playing this, playing this on the PS3. I also, um, just to skip ahead a bit, I played in the PC version and it was a better time. Actually, I played the PC version in like one sitting. I beat it in like three hours. But that's besides the point. I just had so many problems with her jumping and not wanting to grab onto things. And there's one part where you're going down like don't go um going down the pipe to go into the sewer. You know, like the helicopter is over you mm-hmm. and then you had to go those pipes. She did not want to grab those pipes. She jumped. I don't know how I, I have I have I have this gifts of hitting every possible get, um, bug in the game imaginable. It's happened to me. I've have, I've I've recorded things back in the day and put it on YouTube of me just hitting these weird glitches for no reason. So it's kind of in my blood. <laughs> just like you know, I, I mentioned it before in sh- the original Shadow Colossus, I was on the last Colossus climbing it and I fell through it for like no reason. <laughs> it just it happens to me. I have footage of me playing like Uncharted 2 and I fell through some gears and I was just stuck in the gears and I had to restart the game. It just happens to me. This one, this girl, she would run, she would jump. Didn't want to grab it. And I thought, okay, maybe I was, maybe it's a me thing. And then I'm trying to like use the, the, little, the little dot in the center to do even if she just didn't want to do it. And then when I finally did it, I was trying to do, you know, the wall run. She didn't want to do it. She just Walked off the edge and died. It just kept on happening. Or she would jump and I'd be right in front of the bar properly and she wouldn't grab it. And it just, it just kept on happening to me. Sometimes it wouldn't be that bad because the checkpoints were all right. Sometimes the checkpoints wouldn't be so all right. And I'd had to do entire sessions again. And it just was so frustrating. And I thought it was crazy. So I went to Metacritic and I saw a few other people complaining about it. How, you know, they had a huge issue sometimes. I've heard just not wanting to do things properly. So, at least I knew I wasn't going crazy. I just... This is how I felt when we played Ethan Carter, by the way. I was like, am I just, like, inept? <laughs> so, so I remember I played this in the PS3 back in the day, I borrowed from my friend, and I remember having a similar 
problems, but it was, I guess this time I just, it just, I just kept on hitting it back to back. Otherwise, you know, the, when it worked, it was great. Um, I played the, like I said, I, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy. So, uh, so I've read a few things online about how people saying that, you know, the, the console versions have, uh, sometimes responsiveness isn't all that great. And I read a lot of people saying they had problems with her and it's not wanting to do certain things. So, okay. But before I go on a wild tangent, because I kind of went on a wild tangent in the Discord. <laughs> so, um, with you, with you guys. So I was like, okay, then before I, you know, go on a wild, have my claws out, you know, when we go on the podcast, let me play the PC version for a little bit. Because I still had, I still had some Game Pass left time of it. And it was the ultimate Game Pass. So I had the EA gameplay or whatever it's called, the EA play. EA play. And it was, yeah, it was available to play. So I downloaded it. And I played it in one sitting. I had a very good time on the PC. I just I had there's some um, issues I kind of had, but there's like one or two sections that I had prop issues with. I still kind of had like missed it once or twice the jumps or or the responsiveness, but it wasn't nearly as bad. And then after I got those past those parts, it was just smooth sailing all the way through. I, other issues I had weren't really as apparent or as happened. They either they either happened like very rarely or if not at all and had a very good time i blasted through it and had a very good time you know to so ps3 version in my opinion is probably the worst way to play it i will never play it on the pc and the ps3 ever again the parkour was i mean so that was one half of the parkour was this sort of traversal Another part was um, the sort of puzzle solving bits, which would slow down. They'd often be inside. And at first I really uh, lamented these parts just basically because it broke the rhythm. It broke that momentum. But actually, I, in retrospect, I think they were probably a needed sort of welcome break from. It's hard because I just I love the sort of free roaming on the rooftops. Um, but I suppose it makes a better mix to have those sort of puzzle elements in as well. Yeah, it makes a better mix, and there's while it does break the rhythm a bit, there is a bit of a setup and payoff where you're in the building, you're doing these puzzles, you're kind of moving a bit slower, but the moment you bust a door and you see the light just blast you in the face, and you're like, all right, and the game says, go. So you're you're in those moments, you're doing your thing, you get through, kick the door, and you got it and then you're 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 out there that leaping across every rooftops time. again yeah yeah i loved uh i love drop kicking the doors open as i'm running that's always a good feel yeah just another thing where every bit of movement felt smooth and flowing um i think we have to talk about the combat this is one of the larger criticisms of the game uh, honestly i think the combat was a half-baked element of this game but had the potential to actually be very good in that sort of prince of persia way i think if they had environmental dodges uh you could use your parkour to like disarm people in a more engaging way that would have actually been a really good part of this game as for how it is at the moment but what you basically have to do is run vulnerably towards anyone with a gun in order to try and disarm them which is like it feels like it's a weirdly powerless part of this game um, you have like no health whatsoever, so you just you just like paper thin. You get plowed down. It never felt really good these parts, and I think that was like a missed opportunity. I think they should have done it right rather than gotten rid of it at all. It felt like to me that um, the gunplay was at least was maybe forced for them to add. Like I was able to avoid a lot of the fights just by running. There's maybe three, I think maybe three segments where you have to get a gun. Otherwise, I found ways to just avoid it. You know, it was, I think it was simple enough, but I think the gunplay aspects were kind of maybe something EA told them they had to add. Cause it just like, it didn't, you get these prompts between loading screens saying, avoid combat, avoid fighting, avoid, you know, but then they're saying, okay, well, you can't get past this part because there's four guards and you need a gun. So it kind of felt like it felt contradictory, especially to the story. That's so much the story, but the general, a vibe the game had going for it, the themes and everything. I felt like, you know, like the, the force, some of the force combat just felt, felt wrong for what the game was giving you. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement there. The combat was easily my least favorite part of the game. 
And at first I was like, oh, cool, I can disarm people, but you got to hit the timing right. And they say, okay, you when a guy swings at you and whatever their weapon is flashes red, you hit the button and then you'll disarm them. Cool. Except that's not entirely true because if you you have to hit it like at the start of their animation, if you hit it in the middle or near the end, then it just it the game just says no, you're playing it wrong. It's such an unforgiving window, isn't it as well? Yes, very unforgiving. And the gunplay feels awful. Um, <laughs> it just, Why? I'm just going to come out Why and say it. Why does it feel that bad? It they feels, made Battlefield. <laughs> it's, so, it's so bad. Every gun feels the same. There's no weight to them. And the aiming isn't... The aiming is really clunky. And the punching is stupid. <laughs> you just kind of like punch, punch, punch. And then they fall. That's the only part of the first-person animation that looks bad as well. That's all yeah. flailing arms thing. What I figured out in the PC version was if I just did like a sliding kick, it just made all the, the comment and I just no matter no matter what it was either the with the guys with the guns with the soldiers or with the the I guess the quote unquote boss fight, uh, I just kicked them in the crotch and yes. I won every time. Like yep. I didn't even have to fight. Yeah, the. Anytime I could skip the any combat section, I definitely would. And the game outright tells you at the start, you don't have to fight if you don't want to. Cool. Awesome. I'll just run past them. And then there are a few sections where you can try to run past them, but you'll probably get killed because then you, you run past everybody. Then you have to climb up a pipe very slowly and you're just a target. So you have to just... You have to you have to do the combat and I hate it and I hate it and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. No combat and mirror's edge. <laughs> I think one part, like you know, you had to climb up the pipe. I think I climbed up the pipe and then a soldier killed me and then I respawned on top of there. I was like, thank fucking God. That's called a freebie. We take those. Yeah. I think one of the best parts of the game was uh when you're running through the subway, it's probably like one of the highlights of the game when you have to uh, being chased to the subway, you have to like slide down the steps and then jump on top of the train. Then you have to run through the mall. I think that the, like the straight chases, it's just nonstop. And I think that that was like the highlight of the game. When you had these nonstop runs, and you just have to like, like oh shit, someone's in front of me. So you have to like turn the corner and then you have to slide down something and then you have to jump on the train. But then you have to get the you no know, dodge the barricades and the, the, the signposts in the train and you have to jump over them and dodge and jump on the next train. I think that just it was just high momentum. I think those are the best parts. Yeah, I agree, Tony. There's a lot of running from people. Like the chases are good, but running from people and they don't it's not just, oh, you have X thing behind you, you gotta keep going. You'll be running through a building, you're vaulting over over ledges, you're busting through doors, but the whole time you've got people coming from the sides, you turn a you get to a new area, more people start spilling out and it really adds to this frenetic sense of motion where you just got to keep moving. And the game constantly puts you in these scenarios where you're encouraged to play the game in the best way possible, which is to keep moving, to constantly try and make your way uh, forward or up or down or wherever it is you're trying to go. And yeah, it. I think I think both being chased and chasing are really good applications of that. I think particularly there are segments where these sort of ninja gimps are chasing you in like numbers and they're not very, they don't have guns or anything, but yeah. you're just having to really quickly go through. Love, love that. That was fantastic. He was like, well, yeah, there's one part I think you're, it's like you're running through the training room and you just have to like, you just have like seven of them just jumping everywhere all in front of you, behind you. I don't know. That was pretty cool too. And then they start running you. I think then he's like the ninjas of the guns too. And you have to like climb up the. They're 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 the ninjas that start parkouring to chase you, and so you have to you have to like plan your route ahead of time and see where you're going to go or you're going to get caught. The only time that really failed for me is when it was slightly puzzly where you had to go and you were being chased by gunfire. Um, and then you could die like eight, eight, nine, ten times just quickly in a row because you're not getting that breathing space to work out where it was. But those moments were probably few and far between. Um, another thing I really appreciate about this game is like, that it's just, they've cut all the fat off it. There's no faff. There's one collectible in the game, which I think is a bag, which you can get free in a level, but who cares about that? There's no 
um upgrading the upgrading is basically you getting better at this game it's like that old school style of upgrading just literally acquiring the skills to play it so there's no rpg elements there's no things to invest into there's no skill tree no it's just the pure form of what the game is and why it makes it fun and i think they ride that quite a long way well not that long because they're quite short but i think they do well to stretch that out when it works, it really works. I think like uh, I think the spiritual successor to this would probably be something like a uh, Dying Light, where it's like the mixture of uh, parkour and combat. So I think that's the closest thing I think in recent years. I need to play Dying Light. I'm genuinely surprised it's taken this long for another game to come along and do it because it it is such a good concept. It's so gamified. Um, but yeah, I've not played Dying Light either. Looks fun. Probably quite scary. So, parkour, awesome. The gunplay, the combat, not awesome. And what else isn't awesome? The story in this game. Let me tell you guys. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> um, if, I, if you ask me to give you an in-depth synopsis about what this game is, who the major characters are, what their names are, I'd give you a blank stare. Because I wasn't really... It's just totally glazed over every time. The cutscenes were not. The cutscenes were nice, and they were good to look at. The cut, you mean you talk what the anime? The, uh, excuse me. The the progressive cutscenes for progressive insurance, where I felt like I they were going to sell me car insurance. I didn't have cable, Tony, so I wouldn't know what that is. They there was no reason for them to not to use the in-game engine for the cutscenes. There was just such nothing to the cutscenes. And the, the animation was terrible. It looked cheap. It just it just wasn't necessary. In fact, I would say cut the entire story out and just say this girl has to run from the law because she has information <laughs> and she just needs to run. That's all you need. You don't need this. My sister's a cop, and then you know conspiracy, and the mayor's dead, and then his other mayor's trying to kill the other mayor, and she's like, who cares? It's like a Max just- Payne story. <laughs> <laughs> At least Max Payne was like Chung and Teak. This was this was like. Tongue in cheek. This was very taken very seriously. Yeah, totally uninspired. They're like, "Yes, we have the story here, guys," and just I was so I was so bored every cutscene. Who is that man over there? I'm like, it's obviously a woman, and it's obviously your friend that is betraying you. Like, come on, just it was either her friend or her sister. Her friend just disappears, and then I don't know. And then the the the, the helicopter crashes, and then just those guy guys shooting you aren't there anymore, and it's just. Fuck the story. Press start. <laughs> Skip it. There we, there we go. Just play the game. Don't even bother with the story. They could, they could literally just had the story could just been, you know, she's on the run from these, the, from these political figures because she got some information and and you know, a USB stick. And she has to run, and that's it. That's all you need. You don't need this conspiracy. And then there's a virus going around. And then who knows what else? I don't, I don't remember all that much. I felt such an overwhelming void of nothingness towards this story as I was playing it that I didn't absorb it either. And so for the podcast today, I watched a nine minute YouTube summary of the story and I still can't tell you one fucking thing that's really happening in the story. It is so uninspired. It's not even trying. Um, And they said the parkour, a lot of the uh, game was kind of inspired by like that chase scene in uh, Casino Royale Mm -hmm. and some of the sort of Jason Bourne films. But fuck, they have taken the most standard. The problem with it is it's 100% exposition and no character building whatsoever. Um, there's a twist. Literally, who cares? Um, I, I'm, unlike UT, I do think it deserves a story. I just think it deserves a better one. Not a heavy one. It doesn't have to be, you know, Horizon or God of War. But it just could have had a nice little story that plodded it along. And this was awful. There didn't need this, like, generic... You know, take the government down store or whatever it was trying to do. I don't even know. I just know she had something. She didn't even have anything. I don't even know what she was running, honestly. I don't even remember. I just know she's trying to save her sister. She's just trying to save her sister. That's all I remember. Faith is the only thing I like about the story, basically. I think she is quite a well-defined character. I know the director wanted a female lead that like men and women could relate to. And uh, he also wanted her to, unlike these sort of action films, 
to rely on her physical prowess to solve problems rather than uh, sort of high tech guns and equipment. And I think that is strong. And then everything else is just like a like bowl of jelly. It's just uh, wobbly. <laughs> well, the, the big thing, the big thing with the character and having a character who relies on this stuff, they don't go out of their way to say. You have like a bodyguard going, how the hell can you beat me? And she goes, because I am a strong woman. And then like punches them. <laughs> they never go out of their, they, they don't go out of their way to bring attention to it. They just, hey, she's a runner. She can do parkour. She can do combat. She's your character. Go. And it's all the better for it because never once was I like, man, this, this character is kind of dumb. It's like, nah, this character is awesome. Yeah. And a dumb world (laughs) (laughs) in a very dumb world yeah all she's trying to do is survive which yeah that's but it's just like everything else the guy's talking to her he gets killed and then in the cutscene, she's like you're dying i'm like i don't even know who that is i'm just sorry he's he you just hear him speaking to her every once in a while there was a wrestler at one point he got assassinated who gave it he literally gave a solitary shit about it um yeah hit and a miss I mean, I like um, I like going to the elevator, and you go in the elevator, and you dread like that was the one bit of world building, and it was so welcome. They have like PSAs about identifying runners among your friends and family. Yeah, there's like five five uh, five signs that your child's a, a, a runner. That was awesome. Yeah, that, I mean that was cool. And then they had like they mentioned like foreshadowed a, a virus going that's that's a contagious virus going around. It was just so many cool little things that they didn't really need all the exposition because you could a good way to have them doing it is you could have this little story of her, you know, getting from point A to point B for a reason, but then tell the rest of the story just through the environments, which they kind of did. But it was such focus on this bland by the number story that like who the hell cared? I actually think I actually think the environments look a lot better than the character models. So if they could if they could have you know found a way to do the storytelling more so with the environment as opposed to having the characters face to face talking to each other, then I I would be more I would be more for that. I mean, well, let's talk about uh, the artistic direction then, and like the environment because. I would argue in some ways they did do some of that storytelling through the environment. I mean, obviously it is like a corporate uh, minimalist dystopia and that's exactly what they're going for. It's like had all the soul sucked out of it. There's cameras everywhere. It's high surveillance and they've kind of um, uh, expressed that through how sort of clean cut and sort of minimalist everything is in the game. And I kind of swing between that being really appealing. It also, it's, everything's just bright white, and then these primary colors that are marking your way to go. Red is uh, red things are where you mm-hmm. can sort of utilize those objects. Uh, runner vision, really, runner vision, runner vision, which is used really sparingly. And another way of how the visuals are sort of uh, assisting the gameplay. Um, but another part of me goes, it does look a little bit like a tech demo. Hmm. I, th- I think the second one kind of they they kind of hit what I would want it to end up being the prequel. Um, but on the whole, I just thought like this game is aged so well, like this game looks, it's the first game we've played. That's like a proper old game that I think, uh, think about other like 2008 games. They just have an age this well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that goes, that goes along with how the, the game just really stuck out even back then where, a lot of the other games that came out just have not aged well. And Mirror's Edge just is very striking. And the environments, they're so... The use of color is so good. And the reflection of the color and the layout of each room, the rooftops. You can almost tell what the temperature is of the places <laughs> you're in because... Because the the usage of color and the art design is so strong. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, what both you guys said, I think, you know, at the time, everything was like browns and everything. For I think there's a reason for it, why they had they used such murky colors. Even something like Metal Gear Solid 4 was like just dark brown. Everything was dark brown. 
That's the least visually appealing Metal Gear Solid of like all time. But then you play this game and it's just like just just these bright, vibrant colors mixing well, more or less. It was a it was a, maybe they could have used a little bit more of the of the primary colors. But I just thought playing it, not playing it today, even the PS3 was just like it looks just upscale a little bit and you could release it as like an a download like an indie download game a um, downloadable indie game and you know it'd still be very, uh, just as impressive today as as it was you know 12 years ago yeah it's begging for a bit of ray tracing isn't it on all those <laughs> reflective surfaces um and yeah i mean as I, I said like the the prequel seems to address it that sort of over basic nature by kind of adding a bit of flesh to it but keeping that sort of very stunning strong uh sort of appeal to it yeah i was gonna say that the 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 sound of the footsteps um interacting with the walls interacting with the environment a lot of it's uh distinct really well so it helps sell the just the motion and the immersion of being in the game you talked about how this is one of the games from the first person perspective where you really feel like you are the character and those little touches in the sound design really help really helps sell that um the soundtrack from what i understand is good but like you guys i didn't really pay attention to it while i was playing i was more entranced with the gameplay itself i do remember the as you said like the little like landing and rolling and all those sounds being so good and the sound design adding to that immersion um the only song i can remember which i know you can remember t is the final song which is a very euro poppy uh, it's a very 2008-ish song. Yeah, it's really shown his age. And really, like, just woke me up from the experience. Uh, really sort of took me out of it. I played through this game twice. And I only remember, like, the, uh, the any, any of the instrumental music and anything like that, uh, like Jamie pointed out. I remember the end song. The very, very 2008 in the end. You know, it's very... I'm not going to say generic, but it's very of its time. But yeah, but like what Joshua said, you know, just there's certain parts in the game where you just have to completely, you just have to run. I think the end part of the game where you run down the building and you, she's just running, just running, running. You can just hear the momentum of a building up. And it's just, you felt it. You felt it. You felt the sliding. You felt the jumps. You felt the punches when you had to do fight. You just felt all of it. You feel it in your heart jumping she's grabbing something you can just kind of feel like the the pain or maybe pressure she's feeling just trying to lift herself up and you know jumping you know two three stories across the gap and she's just oh you know it's just it was that aspect was done very well oh, i just want to play this game again it's so fucking <laughs> awesome <laughs> but with that being said uh if nobody else has anything else to add we can go into uh our final thoughts well, Tony, I'll take it from here. I'll I'll be the first one and I'll say, um, so far, I haven't been on this podcast super long. I've played a handful handful of games, but uh, so far, I'd say Mirror's Edge has to be my favorite one. The It has some rough edges with the story and with the combat, but the, the core of its design and the parkour is so good. It's so good to play. The game looks so good that it just... None of, none of those flaws, uh, they do bring it down, bring the experience down a little bit. But the core, like I said, the core is just so strong that it's going to be it's going to be an eight out of ten for me. Look, I'm going to make this really simple. This is a fun game. You like fun games? Play this game. Warts and all, eight out of ten. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, yes. I'm going to have to, you know... I have a split opinion. Uh, the PS3 version, I give it a six. I just had a terrible Oof. time, and it was just so poor. I just my heart. I was hitting, I was hitting all the bad notes on the console version. I was hitting it. She just the responsiveness wasn't that great. I was just having issues at the most simplest tasks. If you go and play it, if you really want to play it, I highly recommend the PC version. It was relatively easy to get running properly. You know, I only had to, I don't have to like change like delete some files to get it running properly. It was very simple to get it to run. I give that version a solid eight.
right, guys. Well, we're going to start wrapping this up. Be sure to hit us up on our social media at PS Rumble on Twitter and drop us a line if your comments, questions, complaints, what have you at PlayStation Rumble podcast at gmail.com. We also are uploading our episodes onto YouTube. Follow us on YouTube at PlayStation Rumble. And uh, just a reminder, our next game we will be covering will be Siphon Filter 2 for the PS1. Josh is looking forward to it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. And uh, so if you want to play along with us, uh, be sure to play that before the next episode. And then uh, come back and join us for the fun. So I guess this is uh, Tony signing out. Goodbye. See you guys. I played Minecraft 2 for the first time. Minecraft, Minecraft 2, 2 coming out. I'm gonna have a sec. I'm gonna have a second swing on the that PC voice. two next I- year. Jamie's <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotten some exclusive I deals play- that he's not telling us about. Uh, Man's out here playing Silent Hill. I Hills. played my. <laughs> I'm gonna say this fucking thing if it kills me. <laughs>